We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash hack it out. Just go to Indeed.com slash hack it out right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash hack it out. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Right, welcome back to the Hack It Out Golf Podcast. Special guest time today. Really looking forward to this one. We've got a PGA Tour Pro with 13 wins, six PGA Tour wins. He's also won Rookie of the Year when he joined the Tour. It's Mark Leishman. He's going to do our big 10 questions. We've got 10 questions we're going to aim at him. Should be a fun episode. Mark Leishman, thank you for joining us. Yeah, no worries at all. Thanks for having me on. Lou and uh, Greg, how are you both as well? Howdy, Mark. Hope you're doing well. Greg? Uh, million dollars over here, mate. Million dollars. Cool. Ready for the Big Ten. I'm going to kick off the first question. I know you've all got questions as well from Mark. But um, I want to start, Mark, just by asking you about the Rookie of the Year. Um, you won Rookie of the Year in 2009. I think my research shows me if that's right. Um, and you were the first Aussie to win that award maybe is that right that's what the my research tells me if that is so like what did that mean to you if anything and did Aussie did did, did the Aussie public give you enough credit for that that's a pretty good win isn't it that's a pretty good thing to win and be the first Aussie <laughs> if my research is correct yeah I, uh, I was the first Australian um, which was a little yeah. bit surprising to me actually um, with how many good Australian golfers have been um, yeah totally playing on the tour yeah um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was it was amazing. Uh kind of not something I really thought about throughout the year. I was just uh just trying to um keep my card really, you know, like golf is hard to uh have any job security and when you can, you know, your first year on the tour, I, you know, all you well, all I was looking at trying to do was keep my card and um yeah. wasn't until sort of about August where I'd cemented that. So, um, and then made a, made a big run in the playoffs. So I hold a, I remember I hold a, about 15 foot Eagle putt at the Deutsche Bank, which was the second playoff event to, to get into the yeah. BMW. Um, ended up, I had to finish top two in the BMW to get to the tour championship. And I played with Tiger okay. in the last round and, and finished second. Oh, wow. Um, and then all of a sudden I'm in the tour championship, all the majors and, um, yeah, it was a pretty good way to to end off my first first year. Um, but no, I didn't really. Get you had you had a few crap. top tens in that first year, didn't you? I think I was reading. You had like <laughs> was it how many top tens? Can you remember what it was? I read it somewhere. It was like impressive for the first year. 
I you probably can't I remember. Like, it was something like five back, or back. six or something. Was it? I mean, it was it was a good. And when I was reading it, I was thinking like that's pretty serious start to a career. Yeah, I remember I had back to back top tens in um, in Texas at the Texas Open and the Byron Nelson. I mean, it was a fifth and an eighth. Um, yeah. My first ever event on the tour was at the Sony Open. That was a 12th. That wasn't a top 10, but uh, it felt like a win. Uh, I remember I remember looking at the text message they sent us and it was $90,000, which is the biggest check I'd ever made um, <laughs> at the time. And um, it was I remember me and my caddy celebrated pretty hard on that one. Um, yeah, good on you, definitely. Yeah, I, I ca- I can't remember the exact amount of. Um, yeah, I've got it here. 10. I found it. it was three top tens, and one of them was a second in the. Where have I got it? Was, you recorded three top tens, which included a runner up position behind Tiger in the BMW Championship. So I was just reading yes. it. I just thought, like, that's, that's a good old start to which is what has been a pretty successful career. Did the Aussies appreciate it enough? Greg, I'm going to ask you that question and we'll <laughs> see what Mark thinks. Did they? I mean, I. Sometimes Rookie of the Year gets a little bit lost, I think, unless they come like from, I mean, Aussies have such high expectations for their sports people. Is that just not enough for them? I don't know. What, what do you both Right, about? right, yeah. And it's probably more surprising that I didn't win it. wasn't the first Australian to win it. <laughs> That's why I was making, I was making Lou laugh. I was pointing myself through this the This question here. does um, have some undertones <laughs> of a little passive-aggressive <laughs> remark towards Somehow it comes off. back to me, right? Um, <laughs> I wanted, uh, just following off on that, look, uh, Mark, you talked about, how you started the year looking to just keep your card. What, at what point does that change where now you become, you won a bunch of tournaments. At what point does that change where your mindset goes from not worried about that anymore? I'm now I'm here to win. In my rookie year? No, in gen- just in general throughout your career. Like there was there a point where it's like, you don't worry about, I oh, know the next year you want, you finish top 30. Clearly you're in a ton of tournaments next year. Did you roll in and start going, well, I'm not worried about keeping my card now. I'm more concerned about winning stuff. Um, not really. I should have. Um, I, I've always been, I would say pretty modest in everything that I do. Um, whether it's, you know, golf or how I spend my money or how, whatever it is, but, um, I've gone into until about the last five years, I've pretty much gone into every season. Um, obviously you have your goals and you have them in an order you know, that, that you can tick them off. And that's always one of my goals is make sure you keep your card. Uh, only in the last few years where my, you know, my exempt status is I've got, you know, two or three or four years exemption. Um, so, you know, you don't have to think about it. All you're thinking about is tournament to tournament or, or well, round to round, shot to shot. Um, but that wasn't until probably, I'd say, 2017 that I started thinking about um just winning tournaments and not worrying about my card but going back to the last question yeah it was it was a long time um but going back to the last question on the rookie of the year the um i i didn't get there was so i didn't even have a presentation of the rookie of the year trophy so i didn't even think there was a trophy Mm um i I, about it was probably about a year later I get a package in the mail and it was the, the rookie of the year trophy. So there was, I, I never got presented anything. Um, it was, it was quite odd actually. And then now there's actually, you know, a pretty big deal about it. I think it depends. Yeah, there on is, isn't it? Well, well organized. On... Well organized. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, amazing. Just, isn't it? I think it depends on who wins it too. Um, if it's someone who's had some hype about them, they make a bit bigger deal about it. But um, that's another thing I've always sort of, you know, not really had a, <laughs> 
had a whole lot of attention and uh, whether that's a good or a bad thing, I think it's a good thing, but um, yeah, you know, people that wanted to, wanted to see me on TV certainly don't think that's a, a very good thing. Cause it's, it's, it's hard to get a run on TV unless you're sort of top two or three. Right. Well, Mark, about a year, just to let you know, about a year from now, you're going to get an award for being on this podcast. So we, we don't want you to be surprised. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it'll be highly anticipated. We'll make some fair fair. That's for sure. So I, I have to ask about <laughs> playing in that final round with, with Tiger. Um, I wrote an article about that. I did uh, a deep dive on people playing with Tiger and how much it impacted their performance. And it was crazy. In the final round, um, it impacted players' performance by about a shot. So if you looked at what their strokes gained were per round for the last 20, 30, 40 rounds, everyone wanted to look at it. And you looked at how they performed and they played with Tiger in the final round. The, as a group, they were about a shot worse. And I have to imagine just all of the noise and the movement has, has got to impact you. What was it like when you played with him in the final round? I actually really enjoy it. Um, and I'm probably on the, the other end of, of that spectrum, to be honest. Um, I love playing the more pressure, the better. I just, I really enjoy playing under pressure. And um, I feel like when you're playing with Tiger anytime, it's, it's pressure, but particularly in the final round, when you're, whether you're playing for, for the tournament or to keep your card or to, um, you know, finish top 10 or top 30, whatever it is. Um, you know, you got Tiger Woods right there, who's, you know, argue, arguably the greatest golfer of all time. And, um, yeah, I, it, there is a lot going on. Um, but for me, it, it makes me kind of focus more and I enjoy that, um, that feeling. I mean, I will yeah. say the first time I played with him that day, I was trying not to throw up on the first tee. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I remember it was it was at Cog Hill and the first hole is a perfect three wood. It's a dog leg left. So I draw my three wood. Um, but I said to Maddie, I'm like, I don't think I can hit my three wood. I'll, I'll have to hit driver because the head's bigger and I, I won't miss it. Like I was honestly worried about topping it or, you know, I've just shot whatever I've shot for the first three rounds and I'm worried about, you know, having a hit, hit basically hitting the ball on the head on the first hole. Yeah, I just yeah. want to hit Anyway, I ended up hitting the hitting the three wood and hit a good shot, and um, I think I had a bogey free either sixty eight or nine. So um, yeah, I've played with him plenty of times since, and I, I just love that the experience of playing with him, um, the interactions with him, and um, yeah, I've I've performed reasonably well, I think, in the however many times I played with him. Yeah, I like yeah. it. I like it. Greg, what's your question? So. I'd actually just like to jump into what do you love about golf, Leash? Like you were just talking about there, you love that moment. What, what, what is it about the game that you truly love? So a lot, yeah, what I was just talking about. The, I love – I don't particularly love the practice, um, which is I think a lot of people do. Um, so, so I don't actually practice that much at all. Um, has that I always love, been the case? Was that always been the case, no, like as a junior? Up and no, I, I I practiced a lot, but um, as a kid and um, up until I was probably twenty five, probably about yeah, a year yeah. or two on the tour. Um, yeah, and I've had the same coach for so long that we kind of work on the same stuff. I have the same bad habits. Um, I can we can pretty much work it out very quickly, and a lot of the time I hit the ball the same whether I practice or not 
Um, yeah. I find it a lot more important to be to be fresh on a Sunday afternoon if I'm if I happen to be in contention. Um, so I like to work my way into the week, um, but I just love love when I get under that pressure and have to test myself like it work out like all right I've I know I've done the work in the tournament week I work hard tournament weeks but um just know that what you've done it's it's not necessarily how much you've practiced in the last month or the last week or year it's like a lifetime of of what you've done um okay and it's how to if you can handle that pressure and hit a golf shot when you know you can't feel your arms um i I didn't uh i don't normally feel pressure um at all uh especially since my wife got sick about six years ago just you know golf's um just been a little bit different since then um but i had a shot at the president's cup um me and abe answer were were five down after 11 um, playing I think it was Ricky and Justin Thomas and um, we were done anyway we came back and we got to one down with one to go Abe hit a good shot on the fairway it was foursomes um, and I had a nine iron wedge didn't know between clubs uh, I'd had I had to hit a good shot or we, you know that all that comeback was going to be kind of pointless because uh, we were going to lose yeah. the match and I remember standing over that shot in front of my home crowd in Melbourne um and i'm standing over it and I, I went with the soft nine which i hate hitting a soft a softer shot when i'm under pressure i like it not hard but i had to hit the the soft one and i remember standing over it thinking holy i can't feel my arms like i was i was nervous and i'd never feel that i couldn't and i'm like just just hit the ball first just make sure you hit the ball first don't chunk it or don't blade it just yeah. clean contact and you should be good um, anyway, I hit that shot with about four feet and we, we ended up halving the match, but that's what I love about it. Um, about the game is testing yourself under that pressure. And then obviously, you know, if you can perform under that pressure, you, you know, you'll be holding trophies and, and celebrating with friends, uh, and family and, um, you know, nothing better than coming home from a trip away, uh, with a trophy and showing it to your kids and your, you know, your wife and your, and your friends and drinking out of it and just enjoying all the hard work that you've put in to, to do that. And that's, that's what I love about it. Obviously the challenge, the ups and downs. Yeah. Um, but I feel like that's just all part of life, but the, as far as golf, I love that, that pressure of um, just testing yourself under the pressure and seeing if you can handle it. Yeah, I like that. And you mentioned your wife there. And I, I know Greg's got a question about that further on, which we'll come back to, Greg, as we go. Um, I think lots of people can relate to your kind of down to earth, what you want from golf, where like some people get that from playing with their mates. Like that's the game they want. Like you just want to get out there and compete and put yourself in situations that challenge you, which is great, isn't it? Uh, Lou, what have you got for us? Uh, well, I'm going to ask Mark about one of his passions, cutting the lawn. So, oh, yeah. You can't have Leishman <laughs> yeah. on and not talk grass. Yeah, like, <laughs> a couple of years, he's looking out the window now at it. So a yeah. couple of years ago, PGA Tour, they did a video and they put it out uh, about you, know, you and your that. lawn and your lawn cutting. And I took a lot of interest in that. I had been thinking about doing that in my own yard. And then I did a lot of investigations and, and I talked to some superintendents and I found out how difficult it is and how much work it is. And I tapped out completely. So 
I give you a lot of credit for doing that. But one of the things uh, that I read that was fascinating to me was your sports psychologist said something along the lines of, you know, cutting the lawn helps out your golf game. You can, you should cut the lawn as much as you want to. I'm curious, one, to hear about your, your lawn cutting, uh, uh, you know, expertise, but two, like what your sports psychologist said about how you use lawn cutting to help your golf game. Yeah. So, um, obviously everyone's different and some people, you know, love cutting grass. Some people hate it. Um, but it's knowing like it's knowing yourself and knowing what you like and what relaxes you. And, um, for me, like he, Neil calls it my therapy. Um, you know, get, go home, um, and get outside and do something that I love. Um, it's just, I say it's, it's like going into my nothing box. Um, you know, my brain just goes, I think about nothing when I'm, when I'm cutting the lawn, all I'm thinking about is, you know, don't cut your toes off. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's, um, it's just great to, to get out, do that, do something I like to get into my nothing box. And it's, I think that the thing that the reason I like it is maybe that instant gratification, like you cut it. And as soon as you cut it, it looks good. Um, and you know, the more work you put into it, the better it looks. Some things that can only get to a certain point. Um, you know, if, oh, I don't really know what to compare it to, but, um, it's a hobby, isn't it? I mean, so many people, that's their hobby when they get away from, I used to play tennis and I would play tennis because I wouldn't look at my phone for two hours. Like yeah. I was able to not do my job. And if it rang, I would never answer it. And it was like, it's, I mean, it sounds like a hobby basically is what yeah, it, it so, is, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, like, I guess you, you would kind of compare it to if you're into your cars and you keep working on your car, you keep tuning it, you get more horsepower sure. out of it. It runs smoother. Um, that's kind of what, what it's like. The more you cut it, the tighter it gets and, and the better it looks. But yeah, it's, um, it's, it's fun for me. It's not for everyone, but, uh, can the kids so, play on it or have you got little signs? Oh yeah. No, you should see it at the moment. There's Step on the everywhere. No, no, it's, you, uh, you it's have game to, on. <laughs> you have to tell us the story about, um, and I, I thought this was great about uh, you, uh, lighting your lawn on fire. So, um, for those that haven't heard that, uh, we, we have to hear the details of that. <laughs> yeah, so we, we live on an acre, so it's a fair bit of grass to cut. Um, and at the end of winter, it gets, you know, pretty long and it's thatchy and you need to clear out all the dead grass. And normally you have to do that. You've got to cut it, um, pick, pick all the clippings up, bag it and I did it one year and it was about a hundred bags of like the big garbage bags of, of grass. And it, I was absolutely knackered at the end of it. And I thought there's no way I'm ever doing that again. Um, so the next year I, I thought, well, I'm not going to do that again. I wonder if I could burn it and <laughs> then I'll, it'll just it'll be gone. Yeah. Um, no one ever. <laughs> yeah, and Muriel's and was... wedding. He burns. The... Have you not watched Muriel's wedding? That oh, film on in Australia where he burnt with the mum. Oh Lord, the at the back. The yeah. Yeah. Bloody Australians. Yeah. <laughs> so it's Bermuda, so it goes completely dormant. It, it just, it's yeah. white at the moment, um, and it's it's really it gets really dry. And the the night I did it, the first time I tried it was it was actually a little bit windy. It was dry. I thought I'll have to wait for it to get really dry so it'll actually burn. And I was out the front next to my truck, uh, truck's on the driveway, and I just got a lighter. <laughs> I wonder if this will work. And I just light it like this, put it down, and it was away. It was gone. It was like all of a sudden. 
coming from Australia, you would feel that you might understand the dangers of lighting the ground a little bit. Yeah. Was my neighbours, both my neighbours on each side were windergrass. So they, they were green. So I knew it wasn't going to go any further that way. Yeah, but there's yeah, a golf yeah. course out the back. And if it got to the golf course, <laughs> I'm stuffed. Because I know I'm getting done for... I mean, I'm going to jail. Um, so Very good. So anyway, I had to run over, get the hose and get it out. I, I'm try- Firstly, I was trying to stand on it just to put it out and that wasn't working. Um, I like that anyway. you're ready and prepared to. You don't have the hose in hand. I've got to run no, and get I, it. I wasn't sure it was going to work. And um, yeah, so I did that. And then the next time I did it was I, I waited till it was nighttime. So there was a bit of dew on the ground. Um, and then... I, I did it then and it was a real slow burn, which was good. So I got all the way to the roots and the lawn went completely black, but Audrey was coming home from wherever she was and um, the burn was nearly done. And uh, But it was still like, you know, there was a few spots here and there that hadn't burnt. And um, so the backyard was still, you know, I guess on fire. And uh, she got home and we're all sitting around the kitchen table having a beer. And um, yeah, she was pretty shocked. <laughs> but there was there was a fair few beers involved to be honest it was it was uh, it was, uh, it was a big me and my dad had had a pretty big day and it was you know you know what happens when you do that yeah, there's, 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 there's nothing like alcohol in it's naked just a natural flame. progression <laughs> exactly who's <laughs> not ended a slightly beery day setting their lawn on fire man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. hey leash leash let's jump back to the golf mate let's i want to ask you um you've come very close to winning couple of majors actually and probably one of your greatest opportunities 2015 um open championship st andrews home of golf i was watching last night i went back took a little watch to the last few holes and you had at the time it was a two-shot lead we went to a one-shot lead pretty quickly just as you're hitting off 16 uh that's about when zach johnson holds the putt on 18 and louis was behind you i believe it looked like the turn coming home was bad. When you make the turn on 12, it was all into the wind and rain coming in off the left, which for you were left-right ball flight, guys. Yeah. I don't know if that's a favourite one or not. No. Um, but I was curious <laughs> as to, yeah, what your thoughts what your thoughts were at the time and how, what you went through. Uh, yeah, so um, that whole week was an interesting week just because, of, you know, like we were saying before, Audrey hadn't long been sick. I didn't really... I didn't really care about golf at the time, to be honest. I was just, I was really happy to be in St. Andrews there, um, you know, enjoying myself, you know, having, a, having a few beers at night, um, just taking in everything. I was taking in, you know, all the, all the sites around St. Andrews and, um, it was just a good week. Uh, but yeah, get to, get to 12. Um, and it's just a, when that, when that wins in off the left, it's just, it's just hard. It's, it's a real hard finish. Um, I think the hardest shot for me there is that tee shot on 14, the, the par five. Uh, yeah. When it's blowing that hard, you know, you hit into about a – everyone says St. Andrews is really wide. Um, it is if you play really conservatively. Um, but if you want to actually make birdies, you've got to take different lines. And um, where you're aiming on 14, the fairway is probably only about 15 yards wide with OB – three yards right of the fairway, gauze bush left of the fairway. It's really um, confronting that fence on that OB is like right off, right in front of you off the tee, isn't it? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a it bit is. of an eye, eye sore. Yeah. So I, all I remember thinking was, well, you know, I, obviously I want to win this tournament and the way I'm going to do that is just committing to hitting good shots and accepting the, um, 
accepting the outcome. So there I'm just like, well, I've got to, I can't aim too far left and hit it in the gauze. Like I've got to aim at the gauze, hoping it's going to blow to the, to the, you know, the fairway. And I remember hitting a really good shot there, good tee shot. And I can't remember what I made on the hole, but um, that tee shot gave me a lot of confidence coming in. I remember hit some, hit some really good shots, um, made some really good parts. I remember misreading a putt on 16. Um, I hit it in the left bunker there for two, hit a great bunker shot out to, I think it was about five, five feet and just completely misread the putt. I would love to have that putt again. Um, just change that read a bit. And I remember I nearly made about an 80 footer on 17. Saw that. Um, yeah. And then um, on 18, hit two pretty good shots in there um, and, and misread that putt as well. It's, um, left to rider so, down the hill, right? Well, I thought it was a left to rider. Yeah, yeah, it was ended up yeah. being pretty straight. <laughs> you you see, anyway. <laughs> you, yeah. So you see people miss that part in the same spot every year because that. Yeah. I know you've you've played St Andrews. Um, that green goes from the fence up on the right of eighteen down to the to the first tee, and but the left side sort of sits up a bit, and it's just a it's a real tricky one. Um, did did Padraig Harrington? You're playing with Harrington. Did his shot into eighteen because it was in off the right? I think was it. Did his shot? Because he hit it down in the burn down down in the the what do they call it? The valley of sin down the bottom. Valley of did sin, that yeah. affect your second your second shot options and thoughts? Um, it's funny funny you say that. I um. He spun it back down into the into the Valley of Sin, um, and I don't think I, I don't think it affected me. Um, but I remember about six months later, he came up to me and said, "Lee," he said, "I just this has been weighing on me like for six months, and I've got to say something." He said that I can't help but think that that shot I hit into eighteen affected your shot, and and I'm sorry. Wow. And I'm like, "Geez, like <laughs> it didn't," but. Um, thanks but you really you know you don't have to have to do that but that shows what sort of bloke he is um yeah that was um that was just one of those events that i could have very easily won but um i think i would like to have had a little bit different mindset that week just towards the end of the tournament especially um because i honestly it was it was just really weird because I, I didn't really care <laughs> how I played and maybe that was good. That's why I was in that situation. I need to be more like that all the time. But um, you know, I finished and yeah, I was disappointed, but I was happy. Um, you know, finished second in a major. Um, yeah, and you know, got to go home and you know see see the kids and Audrey and everyone. Um, but yeah, I, I I wish that I had maybe treated it a little little differently especially towards the end. Um, obviously, I'm not sure if you watched the playoff or not, but hit a really good I know good you dumped it in a divot on the first and you get unlucky down one. Dirty big divot, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm in the playoff holes where I was, was always going to be up against it, playing Zach Johnson on, um, you know, one, two, 17, yeah. 18, you know, three, yeah, yeah. three wedges, one of the best players in the world. Uh, I think if it had been maybe 15, 16, 17, 18, it might have been a little different. But, I mean, we knew the playoff holes, you know, that was set all week. Um but yeah, it was uh, what could have been that week. It wasn't until probably six months or a year later that I really sat down and thought about it, and I'm like, I really had a chance to, you know, be yeah, a yeah. British Open champion at um, at St Andrews. Yeah, well, that leads was, me on um, to my next question. Sorry, go, go ahead, on, Mark. Sorry, no. I was just going to say it was really interesting sequence of events there because the putt that Zach Johnson hold the 34 on the last for birdie, 
He was playing with Danny Willett, and Danny hit it five feet right behind him on the exact same line. And I was watching last night. Oh, that's a nice little little thing you get to watch this guy putt first, and then he just buried it on top. You know? Yeah, it's um, funny. Yeah, that yeah. just how it works wins. out sometimes, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that leads me on to my next question: Is what made? And I know you're going to be too modest to probably ask answer this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What major are you going to win? When I look at your record here, I I seem to always think that you do really well in the Masters, and you do a tied fourth and a tied uh, ninth. You have missed three cuts of the Masters as well, so it's a bit of a double-edged sword. Open Championship, you've had tied second, tied fifth, and tied sixth, and only missed two cuts. PGA Championship, you've only ever missed one cut, not had a top ten. US Open... Yeah, we won't fine. talk about that. Maybe not your favourite <laughs> event. <laughs> what, what major are you going to win? Because you're always one of those guys for me. And when I talk with people, who's going to win a major? Who's going to win the major this year? Leishman's one of those names that's out there because it's, you know, it's too easy to say the the, the you know Dustin or when he was playing like you know you're one of those names that's always in the backgrounds. But when you look, the major record is. I mean in basically two of the four majors over let's say from 2010 2018 one two three four five top 10 finishes with a second like that's impressive which one are you gonna win um yeah i mean the two you've spoken about um i think you know i think the good thing about augusta is um it rewards good play um yeah you know yeah if you play well you can contend there which i've done plenty of times yeah but even even though it's a course that does set up pretty well for me. If you play badly, you miss the cut. Like it's, it's punishing. Yes. Um, yeah. I like that about it. I like the imagination around the greens there. I like how quick the greens get and how much break you have to play. And that takes a lot yeah. of imagination. Um, if I can have a good driving week there, I feel like I can really sh- can showcase my iron play to then, yeah. um, you know, I feel like I, the iron play is very important there. You've got to work it the right ways to, into hills with the right spin and um, all that. So I would say, yeah, I mean, it's a toss of a coin between the Masters and, and the Open. Uh, the Open, I, it's, I love it for the same reasons. It's, yeah. you know, you have to work your ball both ways because you've got to not only control your ball in the air, but control it when it hits the ground. Um, so, I mean, if I had to pick one, I would probably say the Masters, but, as in, um, if you could pick one that you want to win, not that you're saying the others you don't want to, but if you had to pick, if you're only allowed to win one, are you said, would you pick the Masters? Oh, Is that mean, what you mean? Or... I thought you, I thought you, I thought you, you mean the, more. You think I'm you will win the Masters? Most likely I think. to win. Yeah, yeah. cool. I could. Okay, that's if great. you said which one I want to win, yeah, yeah, I go on. I couldn't pick between the Open and the Masters. I mean, no. Coming, coming so close at the Open makes me really want that. I've got the second place trophy in there. Yeah. I really would love to have a claret jug sitting next to that. Totally. But having said yeah, that, yeah. I'd love to have a green jacket in, in the closet too. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a good dilemma to have, Lou, isn't it? It's always a good dilemma to have. I, it's, it's, I, yeah, I think your about club that when I wake up. Every or the big match play at your club, yeah. aren't you? That's what you're no. always playing up. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know? when you said you were worried about topping it uh in that one round, I have that thought every time I step on the first tee, Mark. So <laughs> Um, now you know what I go through every time I tee it up. <laughs> every listener related <laughs> to that exactly, comment and now exactly. loves Mark more than they already did. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Lou, what's your next question? Uh, I want to ask you about uh, distance. So with what Bryson did over the last few years and what some other tour players are doing with um, 
trying to get longer. I know Greg, he's a multi-sport athlete, as we all know, and he's putting a lot of effort into getting stronger and faster. I'm curious if that, you know, is, is something that you've looked at, you're thinking about, you're, you're going to get into it. Uh, where, do, where do you stand on, on that uh, with, uh, with, with distance? Um, I, for me personally, no, I'm not. I've got some back issues. I've had four bulging discs and one herniated all in my lumbar spine over the last six years. Um, so I don't really, I hit it far enough. I mean, I think I'm averaging 300, maybe a little more this year. I have picked up a bit of distance, um, but it's not, hasn't been conscious, like trying to, to hit it further. I feel like if I can just hit more fairways, um, that will create more distance because the, I mean, the agronomy has gotten so good with golf courses now. I think that's a lot of the reason why the ball is going so far. Um, that if you do hit the fairway, it runs 30 yards. Um, you could, I don't know if you watched much at Riviera last week, but oh, those fairways yeah. were, were quick. Um, I mean, as far as the distance debate, I mean, my opinion, and that's all it is, is I think if you make the driver head smaller, um, it puts more emphasis on hitting the middle of the club and you, people won't swing as hard because, um, you know, you've got to hit the middle of the club for it to not go, you know, not hit foul balls. So that's, that's what I would do. But um, I know everyone's got a different opinion on that. Sure. Um, so the, uh, the fall off that we saw with your driving distance last year, uh, that was back related, huh? Issues with your back? Uh, yeah, some of it. And then um, I think last year was just a softer year as well. Um, I feel like there was um, a lot of soft golf courses that we played last year. Um, that's probably mostly to do with it, I think. I don't think it was um, – my back wasn't actually too bad last year. But um, I, I hit my driver lower. So I, I when on firm golf courses, um, it, it does run out quite a lot. Um, when it's soft, I hit it not very far at all. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, my window is just lower growing up in, in the place, the area I did in Australia. Um, it's always really windy. And I, when I look out hitting a driver, I, I don't look up there. I look lower. So, um, yeah, I think that's got a bit to do with it too. Just the, the weather conditions. Please you. You've got your own beer, mate. How did it come about? Leishman Lago, how did that come about? What, uh, what was that story and uh, how many do you have now? How, how's sales going? Uh, how's everything doing? Yeah, sales going really good, actually, in Australia. Um, we got it in Australia and then just in, in Virginia. Um, so it's going well. We, um, Where'd the idea come from? When we started our foundation, uh, there's a local brewery that I'm actually now part of, um, but we... Uh, they came to me and they're like, look, we want to do a beer for you and the proceeds of it will, will go to your foundation. Um, so I'm like, oh, perfect. So I got actually quite involved in, um, in how I wanted the beer to taste. We got some Australian hops over and made it to try and taste like my favorite Australian beer, Colton draft. Um, and you know, it comes out of the, out of the tanks and you taste your beer and you're just like, geez, I just hope it's not. Um, <laughs> and we uh, tasted it and it was really really good so that was uh, about probably five or six years ago uh, and it, it's still going so um, yeah it's uh, it's it's fun I love going down to the brewery and um, 
you know, tasting the uh, tasting the beers straight out of the vat and seeing how they mature in the tanks, uh, um, and then learning a lot of stuff about it too. You know, how to change the the head or the the taste and what to put in it or what not to put in it. And it's just it's a lot of fun and become become a hobby for me. Given how much you love beer, mate, it's hard to believe you love going down to the vat and tasting things out of that. That's yeah, I shocking. Know, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about your foundation, mate? You, you how the inception of the Begin Again Foundation, what it is that led to that, um, and how you guys are doing and raising money, and what the changes you guys are making for everybody in your communities. Yeah, so Audrey, um, she got sick with sepsis, toxic toxic shock syndrome, uh, and acute respiratory distress syndrome. Um, all severe uh blood poisonings lung issues um basically your body shuts down and organs shut down and um it kill actually kills i think it's 270,000 Americans a year uh 3 million people wide worldwide so it's a, it's a serious thing and um we started a foundation to to help families who have gone through um one of those things and are trying to pay medical bills um that sort of thing. It gets very, very expensive. So I think Audrey was only in the hospital for 10 or 11 days total, which was crazy because she was in a coma for six or seven of those. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, did they, did they come to you and say percent, like give you, Hey, she's only X percentage. Like, did they come to you of surviving? Did they do that? Is that? Yeah. So when you have odds, so odds is, um, Pneumonia, you have a like a spot of lung, a spot of fluid on, on the bottom of one of your, of your lungs. Ards, both lungs are completely full of fluid. So she, when she was breathing, you could hear her lungs crackling. Um, you know, she'd say a sentence and, um, well, try and say a sentence, pass out mid-sentence um, just from lack of oxygen. Um, that's when they induced her in the coma. But um, with ARDS, if you've just got ARDS and no other organs are involved, it's a 40% chance of, of dying. Um, I mean, her lungs, well, that is the lungs. Her, her bowel was shutting down, her kidneys were shutting down, her liver was shutting down. She was having her um, blood pressure was some, I think it was uh, 90 over 30. It was some crazy, you know, I can't remember now because it was so long ago, but it was some number that it shouldn't have been. Um, her percentage was about 140% of dying, but they said, um, you know, you can't be a hundred percent chance. So they said she had a less than 5% chance of survival. So that, that we had a meeting that, um, basically getting told to prepare, um, to, yeah, yeah. you know, for the worst, wow. uh, which is, which is pretty, uh, pretty devastating. Um, I mean, yeah. I remember, you know that she had an end room at the hospital and i remember there was a little there was a stairway just around the corner and i remember i'd just go in there and cry um it was yeah it was shattering because we had you know two kids they were one and a half and um i think harvey was three so um but you know having said all that we were the lucky ones she had um we kind of did a hail mary she um she, the doctor we're actually having dinner with this doctor tonight too uh we've, we've become really good friends with him um but um she was her lungs weren't draining um so you know to breathe again you have to drain the fluid out of your lungs which wasn't happening so they uh she was actually the first case worldwide um in history to 
to be normally when they flip you from your back to your stomach to drain fluid from your lungs, they have to paralyze you. So I don't know the exact reason, but um, she, they didn't paralyze her to do this because she was so young and probably going to die anyway. But they thought if she didn't die, we wanted to walk again. So yeah. um, they flipped her onto her stomach. They, they wanted to do it. I think it was on the, the, fr- the Thursday, but that she wasn't going to survive the flip from her back to her stomach. Um, so they had to wait a day and then they did it and somehow, um, she, she managed to, to survive it. Um, the, the, the fluid drained off her lungs and, uh, the, the, I remember the machine was breathing for her, but it was breathing in for seven seconds and then out for one in for seven out for one. And I mean, Boy. you try and do that breath for more than three breaths yeah. and you, you can't, um, but that's what they were <laughs> trying to keep her lungs open to, so they could, uh, so they could dry out a bit. Um, so yeah, we're obviously very lucky that she survived. The boys have got their, uh, got their mum, and, um, that's where the foundation come from. We've, uh, we've had some great support from, from a lot of people over the years. And, um, uh, we've just actually passed, we've just given away, uh, we've just passed a million dollar mark. So, um, Fantastic work. Yeah, yeah. yeah, very good. A lot of good has come from it. Yeah. I mean, that's a proper, some serious perspective in life going on there with those kind of experiences isn't it and obviously as golfers we relate it to something that's so insignificant and what this pod talks about obviously is golf but you know on so many levels for you that just must put so much into perspective when a scare like that someone you love so closely happens it's it's crazy isn't it yeah it really does it's um it certainly makes those um well we'll call it a 20 footer to win the british open insignificant I won't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it makes those, you know, those golf shots where you're trying to, um, obviously you're competitive and you're trying to win, but you know that at the end of the day, you know, you're, you're going to be all right whether it goes in or not. And I think that perspective is, is really good. And I'm lucky that I've still got that perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm just, I'm going to ask the next question and I'm, I'm doing it mainly to change the, the, the light and up the mood a little bit. And it's probably maybe the worst segue I've ever done on any podcast or <laughs> presentation or anything I've ever done. Next question is what's your favorite film? Favorite <laughs> like, film. Like, almost seems pointless asking that now, but I've asked All right. it. Um, Someone had to do it and I did it. Great. No, I would say. We ask I mean, everyone who comes on favorite film when they're a, PJ Tour player, because we're building up a good catalogue of interesting ones. So, what's your favourite film? I would say there's two that I can't, if they're on the TV, that I can't go past. Go on. Um, but if I had to pick one of those two, I would say Step Brothers. Step Brothers, yeah. Oh, what's the other really? one? Then? I had so many Aussies named that film. I used to work with loads of Aussies in London, golf pros. Yeah. <laughs> the amount of them sure. would go on about that film constantly. It's yeah, hilarious. Uh, Shawshank Redemption. I mean, that's a yeah. that's come. Yeah. Up. Is that not the second time that's come up, guys? It's come up. Well. Yeah. yeah, no one's going to mention film. Corey Pavin's Princess Bride again. I'm sure I'm Princess confident Bride, of that. Corey Pavin <laughs> will never be forgotten by me. I don't think I've seen that. I'll have to watch uh, it and get back there. Ask Corey about it, he loves it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Shawshank, I like that. Step brothers, there you go. Um, Lou, what's, what's your final question? Well, I do. I do want to ask Mark um, for those listening that at home that uh, do want to maybe uh, support your foundation. Where where can they find you? Where can they find? Beginagainfoundation.com. Great. Um, I think it's .com. Audrey will kill me. Um, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's Begin Again Foundation. Um, I think it's .com. So 
look it up as you talk. Yeah, we um we have a fundraiser every year. Um, Greg actually has been to that quite a few times, and I, I do have a question for him after the pod as well. Um, cool. But uh, yeah, we're um begin again foundation dot com. It's correct. I think it is. Yeah. So begin we again, thank God for that. Um, <laughs> so we. Uh, the thing with our foundation is we try and um, make the money go as far as possible. So we, we don't, if someone has a $20,000 medical bill, we don't just pay the whole $20,000 medical bill. We try and get ahead of the game. And if someone has an opportunity to, to get home, but they don't have the machine that's going to, that they can, you know, if they need a breathing machine or whatever, whatever they need, if that spending $3,000 on them is going to save them $100,000 in medical bills down the track, that's what we try and do so we can get our money to go further. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So we support a lot of other things as well. We've got, you know, the local children's hospital, we support their social work department. Um, we've got, a, you know, some foundations that we support in, um, in Australia and we, yeah, we're, we're very careful with, with where we spend it. We know that, you know, people have choices on where they can give their money and um, as we do and um, we try and, what you know, you want it to go as far as, as possible. Yeah. Buzz, I've, uh... I've played Leisha's Golf Day uh, a handful of times. He's played every single one of my charity days, right? I've had six charity yeah. days for maximum chances. For ch- and Leisha's been to every single one. No one gets paid, you know, same, same thing. Let's just say it's not an apples for apples transaction there. Like me going to his is not the same as him coming to mine. Doesn't quite work out that way. I don't know about that. I don't know. You underestimate yourself, Greg. Yeah, absolutely. Was that your last question, Lou? No, no, I do want to ask you about. So growing up in Australia, I assume that uh, Greg Norman was your hero growing up, like every other Australian kid. Uh, did you Have you played with him? And what was it like if you, if you have the first time you played with him? Yeah, I have played with him, actually. Um, he was my, my idol growing up. Um, yeah. Him, and then as I got older, it, w- it was him and, and Ernie Els. Um, yeah, I played with him the first time. I can't remember what year it was, but it would have been maybe 2010 or 11, the Australian PGA at Coolum, I believe. Um, and it was it was awesome. I think it was in the last round and, um, you know, massive crowds. Uh, he was, you know, coming towards the end of his career. Um, but just to, to say that I'd, I played a golf tournament with Greg Norman um, was, uh, was, was pretty awesome. I only remember one shot from that day. Um, and I remember I was about 270 meters from the green on a par five water all up the left it was, it was after the redo, Greg, I reckon it was about the fourth, third or yeah. fourth. Yeah. I remember I had a mile in and I'm, I hit this drive and I'm like, I'm going for the green too. And I'm like, there's no chance I'm laying up. I remember he hit driver off the deck and I hit it about 40 yards into the water on the left. Didn't even <laughs> sniff cutting <laughs> Just the only shot from that day I remember. Perfect. Bear, bear with Greg. I'm just going to drop one. <laughs> right. Yeah. Here a minute. So playing yeah. with Norman the first time was it very similar when you played with Greg Chalmers for the first time? Yeah. Sure it was. It was really Way, intimidating. Yeah. No one knew. Sorry, I thought we were talking about Greg Chalmers. Greg. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, you mentioned you mentioned Ernie L's name there. Why didn't Ernie pair you and Cameron Smith together in the Presidents Cup? Good question. You guys just. Yeah, you finished second in the World Cup and then you just won. I know you guys get along great. You're, you're good buddies. And 
It, was there a reason behind that? Did you guys ever chat about that? No, no. He had, um, we worked with stats guys that week, um, or Ernie did, and um, he had, you know, the, the list of guys who would be compatible and, and all that. And I guess me and Cam weren't on that list. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a little bit disappointing, but at the same time, um, you know, we so nearly pulled that off. Um, right. I ended up playing with Abraham Answer. Um, I played with with Yako in his first first ever Presidents Cup match. Um, we we actually played against Tiger um, in his first match, which was which was pretty crazy. I played my first yeah. ever Presidents Cup match um, against Tiger as well. So for me to be Brilliant. there for Yako when when he did that, that's a funny story actually. So we're standing on the first tee at, uh, <laughs> at Memorial in my first ever Presidents Cup, and I'm playing with Angel Cabrera we got it all planned out. He's teeing off the first. I'm taking the evens and we're good to go. So we get standing on the tee with, uh, with Tiger, um, DJ, Angel, me. I'm just sort of standing there just thinking, thank God I don't have to hit this tee shot. And, um, and Angel mustn't have been feeling it. And he goes, hey, amigo, and just throws me the ball. So I'm now hitting the first tee shot. <laughs> Little pop sky with the three wood. <laughs> yeah. Got it to the fairway, thank God. But yeah, that was, yeah. Uh, that was my first President's Cup um, experience and, and shellacking. I remember they yeah. got it up big time. <laughs> Mark, Mark Crossfield. Hey, Mark Crossfield. Hey, it sounds like Ernie had his own stat hole, mate. That's yeah. what got him in trouble. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Can't trust these stats, guys. <laughs> oh. So just with Ernie there, before I ask the last question, which is about, I think, a hobby as in a, something you watch. Um, playing with Greg for the first time or playing with Ernie for the first time, What do, any, do they rate equally? I presume you've played with Ernie. As yeah, a I hero. have. Um, so I've what, played with both. Was, well, was one a higher, you know, how did that, obviously you, you had two heroes and they kind of changed as your life changed a little bit possibly. What was the bigger thrill, if you like, or could, would you not say they were equal? What do you think? Um, I would probably say Ernie. I mean, Greg, we were in the last round of the Australian PGA. Didn't have a chance to yeah. win or anything. Um, yeah. I just really soaked that in. I played with Ernie. Actually, the first time I ever played with Ernie was in a practice round at my first Masters. Um, okay. At yeah, at Augusta, and I think it was 2010. Might have been 2013, but um, I remember played the back nine with him, um, and that was that was pretty awesome. You know, walking down yeah. 13, you know, 15, hitting the skip shot on 16 with him there was was pretty pretty cool. So that that was I could really really soak that in. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, because the, the way we played was didn't matter because it was a practice round, but. Um, yeah, played with played with both quite a few times. Uh, oh, sorry, played with Ernie quite a few times now. Um, but yeah, they were both both really cool. Yeah, absolutely. I I can get that. So, my last question is a cricket related question. I read on your bio. You watch cricket, I think. Is that fair? You're a cricket fan. Is that still yeah. something? Or is that yeah? Yes. So my last question is. How much does it mean to you when the English let you win at cricket? You know, what, what does as an Aussie like? How much does that? I know it because I know it means so much to you guys over there. So sometimes, what we have to do over here is think like you can't. We have to let them win sometimes, otherwise yeah. there's no point going over there. It's a long way away, and it's a long way for them. Like, what does it mean to you when we let you just wipe us away like we're insignificant in a game that we? 
pretend we invented. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was nice this year too because you didn't even make it interesting. Um, <laughs> Beautiful. I didn't uh, even watch cricket, and I'm embarrassed. Yeah, no, that was um, <laughs> that was pretty crazy, wasn't it? There was there was a few games that looked like they were going to be it was going to be game on, and then just you know one hour can just throw a whole game on its head, and that happened a couple of times. So. Um, yeah, I still love watching it. Um, I subscribed to, to Willow this year to, to watch the uh, to watch the. I was going to say, how easy is it for you to watch over there? You obviously you can get it. Yeah, I can get yeah Willow TV. You can um, right. get on that and uh, it's you know stream it on your TV or whatever. So um, yeah. it's on at odd times that those um, the day night tests are good because they um, they're on a little little later. Um, yeah, over here. But you know the the normal test matches are come on at a at a weird time. Yet, yet, yeah, Mark, yeah. yet another sport that England invented that Australia dominates. Yet another. <laughs> Ooh, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> rugby, both rugby codes, cricket. What else? We probably beat you at soccer, football, mate. Your version of football. No, not yet. the real version. Actually, not actually. Do you, do you know what cricket is, Lou? Have you I've, ever seen I've, cricket? I've seen it. I couldn't tell you the first thing about it. I don't nothing about well, it. Well, it is a funny sport because it is so isolated to, I guess, empire countries, isn't it? We you know in a funny way. Yeah. It was. It was. Yeah, Commonwealth. Sorry. Yeah, question. Uh, is, countries. It is crazy the viewership though of the of the cricket World Cup compared to pretty much anything else. Um, I know the, the viewership of the cricket World Cup final was over, I think it was over a billion people. Wow. And then you, yeah. you compare that to, you know, I think it's the Super Bowl and it's like 300 and something million. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I had the Super Bowl figures. I had the Super Bowl figures. Wow. I posted them on Twitter recently because they had someone comparing it to obviously the World Cup football um, so for 104 million people watch the Super Bowl, one billion people watch, say, the one World Cup football. Yeah. World Cup football is always – and the <clears throat> European Championships football is massive. Sometimes in America they don't make me realise so much that That's, uh, <laughs> there are a lot of other people in the world watching a, and doing uh, stuff. One billion watching is almost as many people that watch the John Deere, right? You get a lot of people that watch <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. the fifth and major. I, I, I don't want to turn this into one of those ones, but isn't because I did a poll because obviously there have been lots of talk of breakaway league and I don't want you to come on anything. If you don't want to, obviously, I get all that. Um, but cricket is one of those sports that did succeed with a bit of a breakaway league, I think. Not as the avid cricket fan in any way, but I just posted a tweet out saying, you know, what sports have succeeded with breakaway? Darts was one in the UK, people were saying, I think I remember. And cricket was one. Is that true, guys? It, it did manage. Yeah, the Indian do Premier League is, does very well. Um, does very yeah. well and they, you know, they kind of cooperate let the players they're free to go play and then they come back to their obligations i'd say them be right leash they come back and play yeah, that, they basically and go that. spend a couple of months make a bunch of money in india and then come on home yeah. and then i think world yeah. series cricket was kind of like that back in the what 70s 80s yes um, but that's probably not as comparable to, to the ipl but yeah definitely um competition can be really good sometimes because it certainly was a game that was trying to, at some point, try to find its correct viewership and its model and its message. And because it's, it can be a long drawn out game, Lou, basically, where I think there's, again, I'm so naive with cricket. It I only takes five days to play. About it I, yeah, but there's, some, they, there's shorter form cricket, though, isn't there? Which is yes. popular as well. And that's what they did. They, they, they did the speeded up short version. 
takes yeah. a few hours and in and out. It's a lot of fun. They smash it everywhere. Um, yeah, it's actually it's actually good TV. You know, the guys get into it and they uh, it's a shortened form of the game. Um, yeah, it's actually really good to watch. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Last question is, um, I have to ask, is there anywhere I can uh, try your beer out, Mark? I want to order some of that beer and then maybe have a few and then start my lawn on fire. So where can I get your beer from? (laughs) We're working on it. We're working on it. You you should do a selfie with you holding a can. Exactly. The Um, Leesman effect. (laughs) Yeah. In Australia, you can get it um, a lot of places, but uh, in America, it's, it's... we're, we're working on getting it um, expanding, I'll, I'll say. It's it's interesting just with all the different beer laws in different yeah, states. Yeah, I can imagine like, that. Yeah, complicated. So uh, we're, we're working on that. And um, I'll certainly put something on social media when once we're nationwide. Cool. We're warning yeah, on there about starting your lawn on fire. So, so. Is, is that, yeah. <laughs> Maybe just start with a lawn, Lou, and we'll get to the beer. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, there we there we go. There's the big turn. I thought Mark did really well at not posting or mentioning any comments about Breakaway League as well. There, I did say comment if he was, and it just literally went silent. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Mark, thanks for your time. That was fantastic, wasn't that fun, guys? Thank you, yeah, Lee. Thanks, Mark. That's great. No, thanks, Always guys. Always fun to chat to uh, a tour player with such an impressive record. I'm going to guess the Masters as well as the one you're going to win out of the two that I reckon you've got your eye. I'm going to guess the Masters as well. So for anyone out there, Lou, I know we were going to do a picture. I'm doing it right now in front of the man himself. This year, I picked Mark Leishman. You are playing, Mark, aren't you? (laughs) You're not injured or anything. (laughs) I would love to prove you right. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) There we go. Big 10 with Mark Leishman. Thanks for listening, everybody. As always, uh, thank you so much for the support on the pod. The numbers are amazing at the minute and keep the comments coming. And um, thanks, Mark, for his time. We'll catch you in the next 